Hey everybody, you've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. We never record on a Saturday night. It is Saturday, January 6th. But two things happen. One, we have a head start on next week's programming for the week of January 12th. And Lee is in the building. And even cooler, our friend Greg Sestero is back in the building. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm fine. You're usually our best guest, though, really. Like, <laughs> So as we speak, Greg's feature directorial debut is on our screen, Miracle Valley. And all weekend, it's Big Shark, which Greg is adjacent to. <laughs> That's a very good way to put it. And yeah. the room. So welcome, Greg. It's great to be back. Five years later. I can't believe it's five years. Was that five years? Oh, my God. Shark adjacent. That's Shark insane. adjacent. I showed my wife the trailer, the two trailers, and she was very confused because she was like, "But th- that other guy doesn't seem to be in the other trailer." And I was like, "No, no." So he's gonna be at the theater. He was in the teaser, but he's not actually in the movie. And she was like, "I don't know. I don't know about this shark movie thing." So I couldn't. She's not big on B movies or like horror movies usually in general. She's big but... on A movies because that's what Tommy thinks. Of. I know. I know. I know. What more can I do? Still, it's only been ten years. Yeah. Yeah. So five years. I remember we shot that teaser for Big Shark the month before around I came to the Mayfair. It leaked because it was just a concept trailer and everyone thought that movie was real. And I was here telling Lee, like, now I'm going to go actually make a movie. I'm going to move to the desert in Arizona and make a horror film. So that's sort of what I was doing up until the pandemic happened. If the pandemic hadn't have happened, would you have been in Big Shark? No. Was that, that didn't get, no, okay. <laughs> this is my decision. Uh, yeah. This is the hard-hitting questions you get here. But I remember, so that trailer came out, and you told me, no, no, that movie, that's just a fake trailer. So everyone was asking me, because everyone wants to show it to Mayfair. Big Shark coming to Mayfair, I'm like, it's not real. I was the last one to believe it was a real movie. I was too. No. <laughs> so so this is what happened. I, um, yeah, I helped Tommy make the trailer. Because we did that whole strategy with the movie Best Friends. We did a concept trailer, got excited, got people ready to see it, and then we went and made the film. So the concept trailer Best Friends has no footage from the real movie. Oh, wow. Hmm. But it had like 2 million views. People were all excited for it. They never said whatever happened to the other actors. (laughs) So Tommy liked the strategy. So he did that with Big Shark. And so that got leaked, but I was really just kind of helping him out. I had had these other film ideas that I I wanted to go make. When I did Best Friends, I worked with Lionsgate and they were like, we'd love to see more from you. We'd love to see like a horror or something. So that was what I uh, was planning to do. So now it's been, what, 2021 was when it first came out? So we did some festivals in 2021 and then it finally came out last uh, October. Um, and a few streaming services in, in the States. And then we did some European screenings. So it was sort of, I mean, for me, I mean, obviously I'm here at the Mayfair. I love cinema. Movies need to be seen in the theater. So I didn't want to do any straight to streaming, any film festivals where you're like a streaming guest, where you're all in your homes. I didn't want to do any of that. So I held out as long as I could. And then Fright Fest UK was opening up again and they loved the movie. They wanted to show it. So I said, okay, let's, let's take it out. Cause at that point we didn't know what was going to happen. Was cinema going to come back? Mm-hmm. So many theaters kept closing and then it looked like there was a little ray of light. And I thought, okay, we don't know what's going to happen in two years. If there's some interest in showing it, let's test it out and see how it does. So it was a very different model than what obviously I was used to. The plan was to release the Miracle Valley in the fall at Beyond Fest at the fall of 2020. We shot it. We would have had it ready. So at least during the pandemic, it gave me something to do. But it definitely changed the course of how to release it. Did it give you... You know, sometimes there's this, I think it's a George Lucas quote where he said, a movie is never finished, it's released. So because you were hitting post-production during pandemic, did you just 
get to do a lot more editing and just had a bit more time since yeah again it was something to wake up and focus on every week got to do some you know adr virtually which was bizarre we had a few bigger ideas for the movie that i wanted to try we obviously didn't get a chance to do that or any sort of insert shots or anything like that which it made me realize you don't really need a lot of that lee and i were talking about going back and trying to recapture those moments i feel like when you shoot you need to get your shots and be done but yeah i mean i think you learn something from every movie and at the time we Started doing festivals. I feel like we had enough time to look at it. And, you know, the movie is, is what it is. You can always try to improve this or check that. or And I think it's, um, you know, I think it's fine. It was fun to make. On my, uh, my honeymoon, I told my first wife, I never finish. I just release. <laughs> <laughs> your first and. Yeah. This is why Josh doesn't invite me. <laughs> That's why you don't get your own microphone. We have to share one. Your first and current wife. Uh, well, well, she's oh, yeah, her. Yeah. I just don't want to embarrass her. <laughs> So where does you showing up in Enter the Drag Dragon fit into this timeline? Oh, yeah, we're co-stars in a way. That's yeah. what I tell people because we both had parts in the movie. Yeah, last time I was here, Lee picked me up. Five, five years ago? Five years ago. Jesus it Christ. March. It was, it was a morning there. Picked me up early and we went and got Tim Hortons. And then... March? So March and then it was late February, by December, March. there was a total lockdown crazy yeah i can't believe that was five years Enter the drag dragon took so long to make <laughs> well not just because but not just because of covid because of my mother got right, very right. sick so mm-hmm. yeah i had to stop so much until december and then my mother passed thankfully honestly she passed before covid so i didn't want to not be able to visit her in the hospital mm-hmm. and then she passed okay let's start the movie again and then covid so yeah it's like it's like someone above didn't want us to make this movie and tommy was out didn't want us to make <laughs> <laughs> And so, because I know you're working on, I think you're probably always working on other projects, but is there kind of a, a line in the sand of, okay, I've done a bunch of screenings for Miracle Valley, going to put that on the back burner a bit and start focusing on the next project? Yeah, I've been working on uh, making a UFO abduction movie, which is called Forbidden Sky. So that's my next thing I'm, I'm working on. Miracle Valley, it, it's on Prime and streaming, is, and, and I was very important. That I told Lee I want to make sure to come to the Mayfair and show it. So this is sort of the last sort of events I'm doing for Miracle Valley is here at the Mayfair. We've been we really excited. We're going to go out in the street here on Bank Street. Is that what it's called? Bank, yeah, we're yeah, going yeah, to do a bonfire um, <laughs> with Miracle Valley to celebrate. Let's and that's when everyone's going to really want to watch it now. Yeah. <laughs> so with alien abductions and aliens, stuff like that, when I was younger, I guess maybe like junior high or so. Fire um, in the sky? No, oh, man, a little before that. Sure, though. Oh, yeah, but the Whitley Stryber stuff. Communion? Okay. The, the Christian... Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. That movie has the most nightmarish alien abduction stuff and it's simple it's just really well done it's like christopher walken he's in his cottage house it was such an interesting phenomenon because it was a fiction writer writing what he called a non-fiction book about all this stuff and no matter what you believe how skeptical you are it's so scary just those little scenes of the amidite yeah. aliens coming in and and then fire in the sky came out a few years later which i also really loved it's one of those things where i always say it's kind of like ghost stories when people say is the mayfair haunted and i'm like well people say it is and i've been in situations where kind of my my lizard brain was going off that something scary was happening oh yeah but it's like fire in the sky it's like it's a true story supposedly I remember Fire in the Sky being in the theaters, but I don't... Communion, I think, was straight to video. It might have been. In Canada, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was scary. Fire in the Sky, you mentioned. That was a big one for me. I got a chance to... I was connected with the real-life guy. So I called him, and we had a long conversation. It was sort of weird, because then 
he started calling me. So I started getting phone calls from him because I told him, I said, we should do an event together because Miracle Valley had just come out about weird Arizona stories. Fire in the Sky is where it happened and you wrote a book and then Miracle Valley is about a Arizona cult story. He loved the idea and I just kept getting phone call after phone call. Mm. When are we doing this? And I said, well, the only way we'll do it is if you're able to get those aliens who abducted you to come. Yeah. <laughs> to come host the Q&A. That would be great. Has he seen the room? He knew of the room oh. because of his son. But yeah, Fire in the Sky, Ex Machina was a big inspiration mm-hmm. as well. And yeah, I took a UFO night tour when I was living in Arizona. And very, very surreal, bizarre experience. So Sedona, Arizona is, has a vortex that apparently has the most UFO activity in the world. So I took a UFO night tour and this guy told us to meet at these coordinates. Didn't want to tell where, like what it was. And we pulled in this parking lot. Guy's there, he hands us night vision goggles and he gives us his whole speech about safety. And if you break those goggles, you owe us this. And the whole thing, I was like, this is so bizarre. Went out to this field way up in the mountains and then we're looking up and he was pointing out how that's a UFO, that's a UFO, and he's like an RV flying or something. I was like, this guy's on something. <laughs> <laughs> Kept recording everything and the stories he shared were just really bizarre. The whole thing felt like a really strange, surreal mm. nightmare. And so we <laughs> went, beautiful. we went, yeah, no, it's amazing. We went back to the parking lot and he was trying to sell us legit like alien stickers. And he said came <laughs> from other symbols and like oh. that were dropped from other plants. I don't know. So I was like, okay, I'm going to use this for inspiration. I was going to say, that sounds like a movie right there. Like just this guy, like that, yeah. all that stuff. That's crazy. Why do you think weirdness gets attracted? Well, I mean, I guess it starts with me going on a UFO night tour. <laughs> well, yeah, paying this dude, basically. Yeah. But all your stories about making Miracle Valley and all yeah. the people you run into. And maybe you're attracted to the weird and then you let it inspire you. Because you got to, there's got to be like a jump start. Because mm-hmm. I'm so, when I moved to Arizona, I drove down there. I was excited. I'd been traveling and just burnt out i've been going for months we made best friends one and two disasters came out then best friends came out best friends two so i was excited to get down there and i got down to this just beautiful serene home on a mountain that was totally open so private and i sit there and i just felt it was like when something's too quiet and too easy you're not inspired i'd sit on the couch and look at these beautiful mountains and wine and what the hell am I going to write about? And then the guy kept, the ranch guy kept coming up and distracting me as this other ranch guy who lived on the property. And then um, at night I'd go to bed and it was like, I was terrified because it was literally me up in this hill. You'd hear noises, you'd hear coyotes and I was completely all alone. And it was just like, you know, it was, it was really, it was terrifying. So I had to start like trying to find inspiration. I'd read these stories about the Manson called Jim Jones. And I had to start going to a Starbucks on the Mexican border because Patagonia like Mexico's right there so I'd go to the border and just sit at the Starbucks and then I when I found that abandoned church is where I got the idea for characters and I started thinking of Rick who plays Father Jake mm-hmm. I, I saw he came and visited me and, and when I was driving on the highway I saw him on his bike following me and so then the idea started do you know this character he's talking about have you seen the film yeah yeah yes and the part with the bike too yeah so that, that sort of so pieces started to come together and yeah, I needed the weird fuel to That's to make something, to you know, and I'm sitting there in in this quiet environment. And there's this one moment it was really bizarre. I uh, was sitting there looking at my kitchen window. I hadn't seen anybody. I'd seen animals, horses, deer, coyote, little baby coyotes running around. I look out and there's this border patrol armed officer 
outside my gate. And it was like, I was like a flash of like, did I really see that? Then I looked and he was gone. And I was like, what is like, what's he doing on the property? And I found out later some pretty crazy stuff had gone down because cartel will send mules through these mountains that I lived in because they're so private. So I used a little bit of that. And then um, I take these road trips and I found the Lake Powell where they filmed Planet of the Apes. Oh, oh cool. Yeah. And Mandalorian. So <laughs> I was I was on this on this journey in the Southwest and you're bound to run into weird stuff. I do tend to find some top level wackos. Yeah. <laughs> the pervert we, we know about. The toppest level yeah, of wacko. Yeah. Top shelf stuff right there. Top shelf wacko. I like the father the father Roderick in the film is played by the actor what's the actor? Rick Edwards. Who's in Terminator Two. He's oh, one of the man. mall cops. Oh wow! He gets shot of in James Cameron's film, but I I love this actor in your movie. He's incredible. Yeah, he was uh, Rick Edwards was a soap star in the in the '80s. He was also a huge international male model. He was on the cover of GQ like six times. And I used to watch him as a kid on a soap opera because my mom during the summer would watch a soap opera called Santa Barbara, and she loved Rick. In the show, his name was Jake, mm-hmm. and so I go to for prom. We had to rent our tux, and he he was the model and all the. Oh. <laughs> all the stores and so yes. I, we ended up working together in japan modeling and i was like you're the guy from santa barbara and he's like, jake know. yeah <laughs> so we uh, became friends and then i wrote this role for best friends that inspired by him that he's just such a large in life character i didn't know what he was doing i tracked him down oddly enough he was living in the town i set the movie in Ooh. he had moved out of la he told me he had a crazy girlfriend he's like i'm out of here he just packed up one day and just drove took off and I uh, changed some more weird juice. Yeah, yeah, no, it's <laughs> perfect cha- for the movie. Yeah. He changed his phone number. He didn't want anybody to reach out to him. Because I wrote this role, I said, instead of casting someone else, mm-hmm. why don't I try to find Rick? Because I hadn't talked to him in a long time. And I tracked him down, and then we connected, and then we just loved making best friends. So we said, we got to make another movie together. He was so good when I was chatting with you yesterday, like a cult horror movie. I find them scary. In real life, you're not going to run into a Dracula. But in real life, <laughs> There's cults and there's weird people you meet on the street. And in the scene in your movie when it's the party gone wrong and you can just feel the tension. And he was good when later in the film, he goes from a charismatic kind of scary guy to full on monster. And that was so well done. Even when he pulls into the driveway with oh, takes yeah. his motorcycle helmet mm-hmm. off, yeah, yeah, it's like I was leaning into the movie at that point. Was, yeah, he's great. He, that's like a that's the kind of movie like someone's gonna see that movie and he's gonna get a big role in like Barbie two or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. Yeah, he Tarantinoed him basically. You like yeah. plucked this guy from previous stuff and now Tarantinoed him. Yeah, it's like I don't know if he'll like that, but it's still it's like it's good. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. When you were working on the script for Miracle Valley, did you just right or in the back of your head are you like oh that might be too expensive or that might be too hard or you just do you write and let it go and then worry about that later well i mean i did something that i thought was really fun this time i kind of did it backwards i told lee i said i'm gonna go out and scout okay the whole area before i write anything and i got all these photos all these locations and and i had so i had this whole arsenal of what i knew i could shoot and then when i sat down to write the script i didn't need to stretch too much because like i have my house weird water towers up on the hill there's this ravine there's this cow skull exterior giant life cow skull exterior beautiful lakes these graveyards and i had everything there ready to shoot i knew i could use it i had this old street that was incredible that was set with these old cars and 
It was very cinematic. So I was kind of set in that way. So I could sit down and write what I knew so I didn't have to write myself into a position where I'm stuck wanting to make a movie that I can't make because I can't get access to this or can't get access to that actor. I knew the actors that I had that were willing to work on the film. So it was a really fun, quick project to make because I'd set it up in a way where we could just start filming. Yeah. I always think that sometimes you'll see, we'll host a lot of uh, short film festivals and that kind of thing. Work with what you have because sometimes people with all best intentions is just too big. Yeah. And you're like, no, if you have... You know someone with cool cars. Oh, you know someone who works in a building you want to shoot at. Or Enter the Drag Dragon. We shot here at the Mayfair. <laughs> well, you told Nolan something really cool. You, there's a few words you put together. Um, bucket list. A location bucket list. I, and on Miracle Valley, I had a huge uh, goal bucket list dream location. And it was Falling Water, Frank Lloyd Wright's masterpiece that he built. A home on a waterfall. And I took a tour there. And I was like, this would be incredible to film. It's got an eyes wide shut style feel to it it's so cinematic no movies ever filmed there before it's a good tour and i wrote to them a pitch i was like i'd love to film here for a day and they gave me access to it so that was my pipe dream location that i thought for sure i'd never be able to film at and it's a cool sequence in the i don't know if you remember it at the end there's mm -hmm. like a there that yes means, yeah first. yeah we got to film in falling water so that was that's really the, exciting yeah wow that's a really that's a, you made me think about how good the ending is <laughs> three years later okay yeah it's cool that's really that was exciting text in the movie those words yeah, yeah it, and that was the other thing it was a creative challenge how do i use it in the film where yeah. does it really land yeah. mm -hmm. that doesn't pull you out of where you're at you know it's like it's got to be something that actually serves the film yeah, and, and you get uh, one day too right like so it's like you only got a finite amount of time to yeah. film whatever it is yeah and it's like and then you also don't want to lose sight of the story but when i was writing the script you need like a jump start i feel like an opening scene a lot of times you look at a blank page and be like, I don't know what to say, what to do. So what I do, I brought like five of my favorite horror films or five other movies that I felt like I wanted this movie to feel like. And then Lee was telling me the other day that one of his favorite directors watches two films every time before he makes a movie. And so what I did, I studied a couple movies. One of them was Breakdown. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Kurt Russell oh, yeah, yeah, good flick. Yeah. Yeah, and so I um, I thought the opening scene, I was out there, and we in a similar location, and breakdown, you know, with the two the yep. truckers. Yep, so, that makes it, but man. on motorbikes. Yep. That's yeah. good. Nobody so, talks about that movie these days. Well, like, there's a reason. So good. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm kidding, it's a good one. And so once yeah, yeah. I had that opening, it, it ignited the characters. And I'm like, now we got something. Now we yeah. have a confrontation, and we have something. Now we can turn this movie into something crazy. You find Breakdown. What's Breakdown? Is that on a streaming service? I saw it when it came out theatrically. You're right. And that, you just kept it in the back of your head. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And did, was there another film you said? Don't the Breathe. Race, oh, with the, yeah. Race with the so Devil. Good. The Hills Have Eyes. Dude, these are all amazing. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And all Police Academy 4. Yeah. yeah. There had to be one bad one thrown in there. Oh, man. That's amazing. Well, yeah. It I know follows that. I studied a little bit. Oh, uh, in fact, one of the first three people to watch the rough cut, because I wanted him to do the music, was Disaster Piece. He did uh, the score oh, for yeah. It Follows. Did he do and a Maniac remake as well? Was I think it? so. And he oh, did uh, Under the Silver Lake as well. Oh, dude, that's a good movie. So he watched the movie and he said, I watched it with my family and we had a really great time. <laughs> that's amazing. He said, there's a moment where one of the characters' head gets ripped off and they all laughed. <laughs> like, And they're like, that was feels like a cult classic kind of thing, like mm. feel to it. Mm -hmm, like, definitely. So he's like, he's like the vibe, is that the vibe you're going for? And he gave me some advice on sound and, yeah, and cool. all that. So um, awesome. it was cool. And are you, the next movie coming up, the alien abduction movie, special effects, 
alien scene or is it more of from the human character point of view? Um, so we're definitely going with practical effects. I have a really good team that's done some awesome stuff. Literally can build giant, giant creatures and control them with like, they look incredible. So we're going to have a little bit of everything. I want to try to do something that, you know, is very different. I'm trying to shoot something that, you know, we have so many movies available to us on all those streaming services. It's mm-hmm. like you check in, you check out. So I want to try to do something more authentic. Have you, besides for the crazy story you just told us, have you ever seen a UFO or anything like that? I was just in Marfa, Texas, where there's the mysterious Marfa lights. In Marfa, Texas, you see the stars in a way, like they blow your mind. You just look and they just cover. It's almost like they're going down even into the ground. It's incredible. So you look out and you see these lights just skip across. Mm -hmm. So I've seen some very weird things like that. It's strange. I even just, you forget how blown out the stars are in a city. And in the summertime, I just went to a wedding out in the country somewhere, not even far away, like an hour and a bit away. And it was mind blowing, like just 10,000% more stars. So when I was a kid, I never, I never go outside anymore. I'm an indoor kid, but was camping, cottage camping. And it was with me and one of my uncles and my dad and another uncle went inside to like get beer or something. And we saw something weird. We saw some weird lights in the sky and it like shook things. And then my uncle later saw it again. And I was telling Gwen this story and she's like, around what time was this? And so she looked it up, the magic of the internet, and she found the local small town Chauville, Quebec paper talking about how people had seen these lights in 1981 or something like that. That's like, like that. what Kurt Russell recently said on TV. Did you see Kurt Russell? Did he, didn't he see the Phoenix lights? Yeah, he, that just came out online that he saw these lights landing his plane once, didn't give it much of a thought. And then years later, his wife's talking about it. Phoenix lights, I saw that. Yeah. And so I'm not saying what it was, but all you know, I saw it. My uncle saw it. It made the little small town paper. So it's whatever it could be. It's just it captures the imagination that there's weird stuff going on. And somebody could just explain it and be like, oh, that was just a, a weird helicopter or something. But it's still nice to think about the weird, the, the, what you know, like I hear UFO stories all the time. I, I don't care if it's real or not. I just like the story. It's good storytelling. I love cryptozoology stuff. Any monster in the woods, a jackalope in Arizona, you know, I just I just love any of those. And you're right, just because it's such imagination and fun to think about. I was telling Greg about what's going to happen in 2027. So I read this. I didn't read it. I saw it on Twitter. <laughs> the truth comes out. I'm not reading anything here. <laughs> but I heard something that was said that in 2027, the aliens have revealed to the government. Okay. Okay. In 2027, yeah. we're going to reveal ourselves. So you guys have that long to let the mm. world know that we exist. And you should do it in increments. If you tell everyone that there's a lot of aliens, everyone's going to freak out. But if you do it small, like here and there, put out some good stuff. And like so Forbidden Sky. Yeah, exactly. He's setting it up perfectly. Make that movie in 26, so by 27. All the publicity, I'm like, there, this is great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. I remember, it must have been the mid-90s. I was in high school, and there was a sign-up at a bus stop. And it was for, I should look it up to figure out which cult this was, but somebody was predicting the end of the world was coming in like 1993 or 4 or whatever. And I remember seeing that multiple times as i was at this bus stop over a few weeks and like oh it's coming and there was like prophecy or whatever and then i always remember a couple days after like say it was november 1st 1993 and it was like november 7th and i'm like 
oh, I guess it didn't happen. And I always wonder the other side of the story, like the people who put up that sign. Yeah, they go, darn. They're like, oh, we uh, disappointed. We, I guess yeah. we did the math wrong or something, you know. Well, it was, it was 93. They probably had just seen fire in the sky. So. Oh, could have been. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah the yeah. end's coming for sure. They cut his eyes and whatnot. But yeah, I always think about that of like cult stories. Again, that was somebody real in some kind of strange cult here in Ottawa who thought the end was nigh. And then it just wasn't nigh. <laughs> Everything was fine. So while we're here, like I said, usually we don't know. Often Lee will finalize the next week's schedule on the Monday for the following Friday to Thursday. So while we're here... You're welcome, uh, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. It gets a head start on me doing all this stuff. And, and also, I forgot to mention, your movie's playing the same time as the new Nick Cage movie, which must be a thrill, being a fan of Nick Cage. Yeah. That's fun. That was huge for me, too. I was like, <laughs> we've been waiting for that one. It's nice that you were here the same time. Sure. It's Just, a dream scenario. Yeah, you oh, see? He's oh, done snap. it. He's done it. <laughs> right here in this room. <laughs> yeah, we can leave now. So coming up for the week of Friday, January 12th through Thursday, January 18th, I'll just do a little run through these movies and we can discuss. So first up, we have The Boy and the Heron, the new Studio Ghibli animation, which I'm so excited to see here on our screen. Yeah, this is supposed to be amazing. And we're splitting it up. Usually I'm pretty snobby about have to do the original with the subtitles. But Studio Ghibli is so good at doing their dub. So we're splitting it. We're having a few screenings of each because the dubbed one has... Willem Dafoe and Florence Pugh and Dave Bautista and Mark Hamill. Oh, gee, you really buried the lead on that one. Yeah. But not only that, it's an animated film. So don't you want to pay attention to the animation and not read the subtitles? I could do both. The second time. Both good. Or yeah, come to both and support the Mayfair Theater twice. That's also great. Then we have The Holdovers, which is the new Alexander Payne, Paul Giamatti joint. We're crushing it this week. It's a Christmas movie, but it's kind of funny because we're rep house second run stuff and so we're getting it a bit later but it looks fantastic and i'm like yeah you you can watch a christmas movie whenever you know gremlins came out in the summer it's still winter so i mean i think we're we're good up until like february march you can still watch christmas movies i think that's the rule yeah by the time this rolls around just today it's kind of snowing outside yeah it's gonna get worse but we don't want to talk about that (laughs) you came up in the one time that it's gonna snow badly (laughs) then we have salt burn I don't know much about Saltburn, except that it's the director who won a Best Screenplay Oscar for Promising Young Woman. Which was amazing, also. I did something bad. Oh, no. What'd you do? I'm not a teenager anymore. What? I used to do this as a teenager. I snuck into Saltburn. Oh, How no. dare you? At some other cinema? Well, these are lousy multiplexes. They've got so many screens in there right now. And then there's no one. They don't hire anyone on the ticket, but why not? <laughs> you're giving away the secrets, dude. That's how you just like snuck <laughs> by. You, buy, you ever buy a ticket and they don't check it? I mean, yeah, why I am guess. Why spending money? So anyway, I walked into Saltburn. <laughs> it, was, it was good, I'm assuming? Or... I can't ruin it for you. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. But now you're supporting them by booking their movie yeah, here. Yeah, yes. Yes. I'm giving. I'm eventually going to send them a check. Yeah, for the engagement, that so counts. they get money out of me. It's not going to judge it. Yeah, they're not getting the extra ten dollars that you would have given them, or whatever things are. Yeah, you go to the multiplex. I don't go to the multiplex because I kind of see everything here, and the handful of films I go to are kind of like the big, you know, Indiana Jones, and I like the Marvel stuff, so like Guardians of the Galaxy, but. I just run out of time, and I found myself guilty of nerd stuff that I would have seen, like Ninja Turtles. I just miss because I'm like, oh, I was busy seeing some Mayfair stuff or whatever. But yeah, I don't. I hardly go to the multiplexes. Well, he goes enough for both of us. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, it's homework. It's my job. That's, oh, yeah. Okay. Couldn't you write off that ticket? Technically, no. Well, no, my wife won't let me. Ah, yes. My <laughs> wife's there. I shouldn't say this. 
Because she's the accountant, and fair. she's really strict. She's, yeah, no, that's fair. You know what's happening. I would I would love to, but she's like, nope, you got to talk to your partners about it. It's like, oh, well. well I'll just sneak in then. Mind, I'll show you. I don't mind spending money on movies, and I don't mind sneaking in the movies. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. Eventually, I'm sending big checks every month anyways. Yeah, it all evens out. I like that this podcast, you're going to be burned for sneaking into movies. Wow. and. And revealing my wife's true identity. Accounting scams. Cineplex doesn't listen to this podcast anyway, right? So they they, they won't know. So then, (laughs) our rep films this week. If you say fire in the sky, I'll lose my mind. No, no. So we have two. It's funny. We coincidentally have two John-themed film festivals. Okay. The John Cassavetes Film Fest continues with The Killing of a Chinese Bookie. Mm. Crazy title. One of the great titles in film. Absolutely. Yeah. Ben Ben, uh, Ben, Carrot. how do you see his last name? Uh, ben Quadraneros? <laughs> That's not his name. Yeah, that is, I think that that ben Quadraneros is one of the pot racers from the Phantom Menace. <laughs> there it is. I don't know how you keep managing ben to tie Gazzara. that back. Ben Gazzara is oh, yeah. running a strip club in L.A. We should go to the strip. Ben Gazzara's strip club from Killing a Chinese Bookie. And he owes money to the mob. And they come to his strip club, and he's trying to put on a good show. And that's the movie, and it's gorgeous. And it, actors do things in Cassavetti's movies that inspired generations of filmmakers like Paul Thomas Anderson, even Robert Altman. Cassavetti's was making these kind of movies before MASH, so it's, it's really something to see on the big screen. So I highly recommend. You've ruined it for me because I'm just going to picture Ben Quadraneros in all those. <laughs> He's the guy with the big, big, big face in The Phantom Menace. Oh, I know who he is. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to tell him. Come on. Oh, you do? Okay. <laughs> I forgot. I want a Photoshop poster. Yeah. I got to be honest, I did not remember Ben Quadraneros, if that's what the name was. I remember Sebulba and Anakin. I think those, those, those two guys were pod racers. And then Pink Flamingos, the John Waters classic. What a segue. There's a character, there's an actor in this movie who is uncredited in Pink Flamingos. He bends over into the camera, opens his butt cheeks, and he sings out of his rectum. It's incredible. And it wasn't in the original home is video release. Really? Wait, you actually see it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. disgusting. 100%. But it's hilarious. So it's so funny, it's not disgusting. Yeah. My hate. Why? He show, actually shows it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he was never credited, and he died during the pandemic, and his family released. That was the singing asshole from Pink Flamingos. Oh, man. Isn't that a funny story? To get, I mean, your legacy. I mean, I would love it. I'd be so proud of that true. moment that's in true. the movie. It like, actually made the cut? Oh, yeah, it's yeah. made the new, the, the restored cut in, in 97, I think. So it's, it, it was cut out of home video release, but now it's back in and Criterion. It's, it's not like covered up or it's straight on. You want to have a sleepover? It's, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like it's, it's what like, you're thinking right now. Honestly. It's the most anticipated. Uh... We should have Tommy over. Why, oh, man. Why are you watching this? <laughs> it's so good. It's I love it. Was the first release X back in the day? That's a good question. I think that's something that John would want. Yeah. An X rating. Yeah. And X back then didn't mean porno. But I don't know, but that was probably in the theatrical versions, but the home video versions cut it out because projectionists would cut it. Like if you were a theater owner and you saw a singing asshole, you'd say, oh, <laughs> you'd tell Marcus to cut it out of projection. He'd cut it out of the print. And then some of those prints were what VHS transfers were made right, of. Right. Mm-hmm. So if a projection made a decision, the rest of the world sees his decision making. So then they restored it in 97 for the big re-release and put the singing rectum back into the movie, which we all wanted. <laughs> yeah. And I think God. Yeah, yeah, Greg didn't know he wanted, but now. <laughs> It's wonderful. I love it so yeah, it's, much. It's good. It's, I can yeah. live with that. It's a unique movie, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a good story that his family released his name? Like, Is it on his gravestone? Oh, man. Oh, we should go find that. <laughs> we should go it now. pay tribute and sing to it <laughs> with different parts of <laughs> Yeah, you know how. Is it like a long song? No, it's not like... It's it not feels long. long. It's just one moment of a song. It's a chorus. And he and he's really... And John Waters filmed that? With a 16-millimeter camera. So he knew pointed. what he was doing. He had, a, <laughs> he had his eye into a camera and... 
go near this that orifice of his body to film it. It's it's oh, wow. it's uh, heroic, I think. Yeah. Because think about it, like yeah. he's an independent filmmaker, he's got no money. You either an accomplished filmmaker, like Russ Meyer was making movies with not a lot of money, but he was such a good filmmaker, people wanted to see that. But John Waters wasn't a you know really strong filmmaker back in the day. But you just put stuff like that in a movie, everyone's going to talk about it, and you're, you're going to have a monster hit on your hands. I do think it's heroic. I think it's like he's a household name, not because he decided to keep singing assholes out of a movie, because he put him in. Yeah, it's gutsy, man. Yeah, it's his rosebud. I keep hearing rumblings that he's got another movie coming. John Waters? Based on his novel that I just listened to, I heard that they're going to make it into a movie. It's been so long. It's yeah. been 20 years. The last film he made went straight to video. The one I had to, I had to rent it. Yeah. What was it called? Yeah. What was his last film? It was, it was the one with Johnny Knoxville. Uh, it was a Low Down Dirty Shame? Yeah. That was it, wasn't it? Like 2003? No. I think I thought it was like Obese Men. What? Oh, Lord. What <laughs> <laughs> That's I don't know if I because my phone's going to die. Yeah, yeah. I thought there was one more that went straight to video. Yeah, there. Anyway, I could made be it wrong. Well, he's talked about The Room. John Waters did. He did. Uh, there was a documentary about cult movies, and he uh. it was him, the actor Kevin... Not Spacey. Um, <laughs> Thankfully. Guy Sorry. from A Few Good Men. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kevin Pollack. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, he's good. They talked all about Deterrence. The Room, and John Waters was talking about it. Do you it. like it? We should watch that. It's, it's, it's like the history of cult movies. It's, it's mm. called Time Warp, right? and it's all about cult movies and the whole segment about The Room. I got, I got interviewed. They, uh, yeah, John Waters is the host. If, now if I met him, you know what I'm going to talk to him about, right? <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. And, and I want to be. I, I want to be a fly on the wall. Yeah. Not yeah. A fly Lee Demar highly recommended the asshole scene. <laughs> for quite funny? some time. I bring it up to him, and he goes, "Like, what are you talking?" About? <laughs> you know, John Fork and ass Yakima Kumnush. Yeah. To jump off a wagon onto some galloping horses in stagecoats and make a name for himself. And Charlton Heskin can gallop the horses around the race and Ben Hur. Mm-hmm. And Billy Wilder can make a name for himself. And John Waters can point a camera at a man's rectum who's singing a song and make a name for himself. <laughs> I, it's cinematic, it's inspiring, yeah. and it's changed the world. And I can't live without it. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then the last thing this week is another edition of Saturday Night Cinema. Oh, also great. Our free for members, members only, secret midnight movie presentation. Could be anything. Could be anything. Who knows? I had a movie in mind for last Saturday. I asked Eric. Yeah, the one you mentioned. And I said, you my father just died and I'd like, I can't watch it. Yeah. So maybe. maybe I, yeah. I told Josh, I was like, yeah, it's uh, it's an experience. <laughs> if he does it, uh, you know, we'll see. Someone was just asking me what kind of movies were at cinema. And I was like, oh, usually they're not too crazy. It's like, you know, a cool B picture or something like that. Yeah. So there's a, there's a class at Carleton University. It's not film studies, but it's a class on sexual awareness. And the whole class is going to come in January or February in hopes of seeing a triple X movie. In oh, man. Well, that's the and talk. I, yeah, the February ones. Everyone's like, it's always porn. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true. I literally don't have the curriculum. Okay. I say that word. She emailed me twice this, this, over the holidays about it. You don't need much encouragement, though, I feel like. You know, I've always, we do this thing, Greg. We do every last Saturday of the month, and now it's, it's every two Saturdays. We do a secret cinema screening. We don't advertise what it is, and it's something. It's called Saturday Night Cinema, and cinema is spelled with an S. Cinema, so it's supposed to be a little raunchy or risque. And every time someone texts me, it's like, "What are you showing tonight?" And I've told they don't come. Yeah. So I never <laughs> tell it. I, like it's it's forbidden. Yeah. If you want to recommend a movie, think about singing asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like get that, that in your head. Something that. <laughs> 
Okay, so that is our movies for the week of Friday, January 12th, 2024. And we're going to wrap things up because, as we said, Greg's movie is screening and he's going to go do a little Q&A afterwards and sell some merch and do stuff like that. And I'm going to brave back into the horrible Ottawa minus 20 weather outside. Uh, I'm going to wait for the bus like a chump, but it'll be <laughs> worth it Like once you're on it's the bus. Minus 10. And that's supposed to snow later. I don't want to make it weird for him, though. Like it's, yeah. you know, it's not going to be It's not going to be great. So you can check our listings at MayfairTheater.ca and on various social medias. Does Greg have a website? Disaster-artist.com. For all your Greg Sestero needs. Are you the disaster artist now? Like is that, Ooh. As you go, like, is, is that a hard-hitting question? I don't know. <laughs> that's um, badass. I think that's a badass. <laughs> you should refer to yourself. I think that'd be cool. Sadly, the GregSestero.com was taken oh. by, no. by someone. By the guy from Pink Flamingo. <laughs> Serious? That's crazy. Was his really? name also Greg Sestero? He died, so I could never get the domain back. Dang. What a story. Wow, that's wild and stupid. I hate him. <laughs> well, if someone's dead, don't you lose your domain name? Like, who has it? No, I'm just kidding. Someone oh. alive took it. Oh. I think you know who I'm talking about. Oh, oh man. Next, next question. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. Even more wild. <laughs> We can have a really good podcast someday. <laughs> years from now, I'll be long gone. Okay, so thanks, Greg, and we look forward to having you back again soon. All right. Hope things go well. On to your next project, and looking forward to having that one up on screen here at the yeah. Mayfair. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Nailed Thank it. You. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Perfect. You're welcome. Perfect. I'd like to close with the original trailer New Line Cinema used to sell Pink Flamingos. Notice, no footage from the actual movie is ever shown. Did you happen to hear about it? From some friends who saw it and thought it was absolutely marvelous. Probably, I'll be very insulted. Rex Reed, Reed told us that it's uh, fabulous. Would you come out at midnight to see it? Well, I go home at midnight. What are you going to see there? I guess there's just two kinds of people, Miss Sandstone. It's fantastic. It's the third time I've been to it. It's an incredible head scene for people. Oh, it's marvelous. Absolutely. Most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Not to be believed. Absolutely outrageous. It was divine. Fabulous. That wasn't better than Cries and Whispers. I think it's the future of city living. Um, fantastic. It was really fun. Excellent. Yes. Loved it. Really good. Really good. Right? It's great. Piece of garbage. The only one I didn't like was Snake. I have an aversion to Snake. It was divine. I love religious movies. It's a little gross, but I liked it. Well, it was uh, really the grossest film I'd seen. I think John Waters has got his <laughs> finger on the pulse of America. I think he's got his thumb securely up America's ass. I enjoy dirty things as much as everyone else does, but this isn't even dirty, it's just disgusting.